What's wrong with people? It's it's fine. It's fine because when they're asleep at night, in the dead of night, they'll hear a rumbling at the bottom of their stairs. Tip tap up to the stairs. Their door creaks open, and there will be gritty with a chainsaw, <laughs> ready to eviscerate <laughs> them. And bring justice to this cruel, cruel world. All hail our glorious Revenger Gritty. <laughs> the only good thing to come out of the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> if he became a vigilante, that would be quite on brand. Fuck it. Like, I'll tell you what. If the Eagles change their name and mascot and become the Philadelphia Gritties, I will start supporting the fucking... I will start supporting them. <laughs> I will support the Philadelphia Gritties. They have to fucking... Fucking do it for their alternates. Oh, fuck me. Come on. <laughs> I'm a genius. I'm a fucking get me get me on the phone tonight right now. I'm a fucking marketing genius. This is Yeah, just calling Kaepernick and Gritty in your new adjunct. <laughs> shop for news views and overreactions to all things NFL. Uh, we've got a lot of news this week, a lot of uh, interesting developments over the weekend, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly, so let's uh, crack straight into it. So hello, it's me, you're looking for, Harry, uh, filling in for Connor again, who's off, I think, in Switzerland, work rather than pleasure, so that's okay, he'll have a miserable time paying for very overpriced everything because it's Switzerland, and joining me as usual, from Cork, we have Ronan. Oh, to be in the exciting land of regulatory banking. He must be he must be so excited right now, Connor, over there. I'd say he is. I mean, you know, like Switzerland is known for its many uh, beautiful features such as underground bunkers and Nazi gold. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> and weird referendums, mostly. But, oh, uh, yeah. Actually, total sidetrack from football. But uh, I read it very interesting about, like, the civic society groups that have, like, come up in Switzerland to counteract the uh, right-wing parties that are pushing the referenda, but that's for another podcast. Let's get straight into it. I mean, there's no point in uh, really dancing around the issue anymore. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who were, you know, much hyped coming into the season, including by myself, after one of the incredibly successful years last year, uh, have continued to completely and utterly disintegrate into just a flaming pile of garbage and one of the Worst teams in football, again, in spite of all the money and names they have. We saw them suffer a defeat to the Buffalo Bills, which is, you know, humiliating enough in and of itself. As a result of this, they appear to have fired their offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, promoted their quarterback coach, Scott Milanovic, who was doing a great job, I have to say, to their OC, although Doug Marone wants to be more involved in running the play calling. Not only have they promoted the quarterback's coach, who was clearly doing a great job to OC, they've also benched Blake Bortles and they decide to start Cody Kessler, which is, you know, uh, a bit like upgrading from a bowl of piss to a bowl of shit, if we're completely honest with ourselves. This is the second time they've done this, by the way, this season. So. Yeah, they, they brought Kessler in for a game. It didn't, it didn't go well. It's like seven games in a row they've lost. The offense is terrible. They had a big punch up in Buffalo and Fournette got suspended. Jalen Ramsey gave up a catch to Kelvin Benjamin. That's just bad, man. They got torn like this team got torn apart again by a bad team. Firstly, Ronan, do you think this coaching change is like anything, or is this just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? No, this is this is the definition of flailing around, just trying to get something going. I think like Nathaniel Hackett has come out, and the way he was fired, apparently he was called in, and he thought, okay, they're going to change the QB. He's letting me know. No, he was getting fired. That's not Hugh Jackson levels of absolute idiocy. We'll get on to that later. But 
it's certainly approaching that level of disorganization. And I suppose the problem here is you're talking about an organization which obviously had a good year last year, though with an obvious problem at the quarterback position, chose not to do anything, give an extension to Blake Bortles, said, well, we can still win with the defense and Leonard Fournette, and we'll see how that goes. And the way it's gone is that in a year in the NFL, which offense has basically been revolutionized by a series of teams like the Chiefs and the Rams, um, kind of blowing up the old temper grapple on, the Jacksonville Jaguars suddenly looked really irrelevant. Their defense has really taken a major nosedive, in particular Jalen Ramsey, who's kind of turned into a bit of a, a weakness, and obviously there's trade rumors around him over the last month or so. But the offense has been absolutely gack, and obviously I think the main majority of them have to be placed at Blake Bortles. Now, to be fair, they have faced a lot of injuries, particularly along the offensive line, and there's now an additional one with Andrew Norwell probably out for the season. So they've lost their center, they've lost their other guard, and then they've lost the other guard. They've lost, I think, both their starting tackles. At this point. I think they've lost their entire offensive line by this point in the season. So like, obviously that's going to make a huge difference for a run-first offense, especially with Fournette also dealing with his own injury issues. So mm-hmm. yes, there are circumstances there, but on the other hand, you're looking at an offense which was only mediocre to start with in the first place. So look, <sighs> there was a lot of egos in that room. And they just, like, once things started to go badly, you never really got the feeling over the last month or so that they were going to come out of the tailspin. And then losing in such a diabolical, like, absolutely incompetent way to the Buffalo Bills is really just the cherry on top for a a coaching staff that looks like it's well on the way out at this point, especially because I don't think Tom Coughlin's someone to tolerate that kind of incompetence from his coaching staff. Yeah, I think that's that's Tom fair. Tom Coughlin will be in charge next. Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing. It is a, I think we've mentioned this before on the podcast that it's kind of a bad look across the whole organization, like the front office, Coughlin himself, the coaching. I mean, obviously, very surprised if any of the coaching staff come back next year. As I've, I've mentioned this in the past that Coughlin has sort of escaped criticism for a lot of things that really seem to be his responsibility as much as anybody else's. So, but yeah, knowing Jacksonville, yeah, they'll make him head coach next season and they'll have an even worse year probably. So yeah, Jacksonville, you know, it was nice to have a year uh, and now you're terrible again. So, you know, life uh, finds a way. Um, speaking of terrible, awful things, I suppose are on the theme. Let's just roll into the injury section. So we got a couple of really big ones here. Uh, at, well, I suppose maybe, maybe if they were on contenders, <laughs> Andy Dalton, has injured his thumb, that now appears to be a season-ender. Jeff Driscoll came in and looked, like, not totally incompetent against Cleveland's prevent defense in garbage time. Tom Savage, I believe, has now also been signed to provide quarterback depth, which is terrifying. Marvin Jones, the Detroit Lions wide receiver, has done his knee. He's gone for the year. Um, obviously, that's an even bigger blow if they traded away uh, Golden Tate earlier. Indianapolis have lost Jack Doyle uh, to a kidney injury, which is just nasty. I think a laceration there. And uh, the center, Ryan Kelly, who played quite well, has had his knee. He should be back after a few weeks, but you never really know with guys that size in the knees. So best of luck to him. They're the sort of the big three, I think, like long-term ones coming out of that which of these do you think will like i mean do any of these have a particularly huge impact these teams are all kind of not really in the hunt at the moment right yeah like i think cincinnati is just an extra cherry on top of the kind of circling the drain scenario that just emerged over the last month jeff driscoll like he probably won't be much worse because their offense has just been terrible at aj green but you know, it's not going to be better than Andy Dalton, likely. You know, Andy Dalton being pretty bad. And obviously the specter of Tom Savage getting a start has to be there with such incompetent uh, people <laughs> making decisions in the in, in the coaching room. And Marvin Jones, yeah, I think Detroit were already pretty much dead. This is really just cherry on top. Good if you're a Galday fantasy owner, that's about it. Indianapolis, though, they are relevant now. They probably are in line 
uh, to fight for that wild card spot in the AFC. I think Jack Doyle came back, had one good game on its return, but otherwise it's been pretty quiet. They have Eric Ebron, he's done pretty well, so they should be okay. And Ryan Kelly, like we know the offensive line has been a strength, ridiculously, for Indianapolis, uh, and he's a very good centre, so it's a bit of an issue. And Andrew Luck did get sacked this week ooh, after that mm. long five-game uh, streak without a sack, so maybe it's having an effect, but I think Andrew Luck, the way he's playing, is good enough to probably overcome that. So I think that should be fine. Uh, a couple other quick ones to run through. Denver have lost tight end Jeff Horman. Uh, he's got broken ribs. He's gone for the season, but it's the Broncos, so nobody cares. And quarterback Tremaine Brock's a shoulder injury. He'll be out for him. At this point, we don't know how long. Tampa tight end OJ Howard, I think, was moved to the injured reserve before the games this season. He's had an ongoing uh, lower leg and foot issues. Uh, Jackson Lagard, Andrew Norwell, as you mentioned, has gone for the season. So is San Fran safety Jimmy Ward. A couple of the mind little ones. Melvin Gordon has an MCL sprain, could be out for a few weeks, but we, Melvin Gordon and his knees are an ongoing saga, really, at this point. Carolina have lost cornerback Dante Jackson with quad injury, and also wide receiver Tamir Bird, uh, who's got a broken arm. Bird, very much a depth player. Dante Jackson, really only worth pointing out, because if they don't, the guy who replaced him is called Corn Elder, which is a fantastic name. Although um, he got burned multiple times when he came on in the Seahawks game we'll be talking about later on. Yeah, but nobody cares he's called Corn Elder, and that's hilarious. It's not like when, you know, the children of the corn, when they grow up, do they become Corn Elders? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, Baltimore safe Tony Jefferson also has uh, been spotted in a walking boot so presumably some kind of leg injury we don't have any information on that at this point and uh, Minnesota cornerback Xavier Rhodes has a quote-unquote mild hamstring strain which doesn't sound like a thing uh, he's day-to-day so they probably just pumped him full of painkillers and are letting him go about his business yeah um, I think there's some controversy on Xavier Rhodes like Mike Zimmer was saying it's a mild hamstring but there would be like I think there was some one of these kind of NFL doctors who was saying he'll need surgery I think a bit of back and forth uh, about whether that's happening. We'll see. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding and see if Jamie Rhodes can actually stay fit uh, over the back end of the season or not. I think the Melvin Gordon thing probably is pretty important. Uh, I think the, the Chargers are probably, like, that they should get into the playoffs as a wildcard team, but any chance that they really have to compete with KC to keep that interesting would probably be a lot more difficult without Gordon there because he's been so good this season. Mm-hmm. And so I can see them losing to teams like Pittsburgh, for example, this week because of that. But, like, uh, you know, Austin Eckler's a, a fine deputy, I suppose. Um, so that, I think they should be able to beat enough teams to get the playoffs. But I think the Chiefs could feel a little bit more comfortable than they already are based on that injury. True, true. Uh, although I think the Chiefs are probably pretty comfortable anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of... Beating things. It's time for the controversy <laughs> corner. Guess who's back? It's Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, known for being perhaps not the most um, verbally articulate man in the world, has indicated in an interview with Bleacher Report that yes, he still beats his children. Now he uses a belt instead of a switch, which is you know uh, better, I guess. Yeah, like you don't want to waste that valuable Nintendo console, don't you? Oh god! <laughs> like. We call him a Sally Rob, where I'm from, anyway. But uh, <laughs> Adrian Peterson must be the stupidest motherfucker on the planet, right? Like, why would you, why would you open your mouth about this? I mean, obviously, the fact that he still beats his kid with a belt is horrendous. But why, if you're doing this bad thing that you know is bad and has got you in a shitload of trouble, would you talk about it in a, in a media interview? I, like, he's got to get suspended for this, right? I, I would hope so, but it's a situation I think the NFL based on verbal statements, doesn't have a great history of actually intervening. It's only when the physical, like the visual evidence comes out, because obviously the last one was marred by that really horrific picture of all the bruising and scarring that that the previous uh, beating reporting had actually led to. 
So without that kind of stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if he got away with it, uh, to be honest. Hopefully that's not the case, but we'll definitely see over the next uh, month or so. It's, pro- it's probably under consideration at the moment. Maybe it'll be announced in the offseason. I-, I think, you know, obviously his agent came out the next week and basically said, oh, these damn journalists with their repeating what my clients say. <laughs> they got your questions like, are you feeding your children? Yes. Oh, fuck. The only thing I can imagine, like, I don't think like, Adrian Peterson he wasn't really that contrite last time no, around he by all indications. Um, so maybe he, he probably doesn't see what's wrong with it. Like, he sees it like, as, you know, I've like you know, I've downgraded and I've been very modern right now. But yeah, like, I think for someone maybe who's out of football for a while, he maybe he kind of, he doesn't have the same level of representation he had previously. And uh, that's where these kind of slip-ups come up. But like, yeah, Adrian Peterson, an idiot, both a terrible person and an idiot. And thankfully, is now his team is now uh, reaping the kind of results that uh, that organization deserves, not only for employing him, but also because they're an awful. Well, I, I think I think that's a bit harsh on Alex Smith, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> I guess what goes around comes around. Jesus, we'll have more stupid, violent idiots covered uh, in a few minutes. But before that, a couple of just sillier ones. Bruce Arians has, uh, yeah, once again expressed his desire to coach Cleveland. We thought he might have been having some kind of health issue the last time he said it, like a mini stroke or something. But apparently he was serious. Yeah, his wife like, that, that'd, be, that'd be great for Cleveland. I mean, Arians is kind of, I think, a little bit dumb, but he'd certainly bring some stability, you think, to that organization. Uh, more so than, like, the bunch of lunatics they've had running the team for the last season. Well, based on the way things are going, he could probably get together a, 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 a load of his former coordinators, regardless, to work for <laughs> between Arizona probably getting a clear eye, between Todd Bowles and the Jets. You get the whole gang back together and run this <laughs> Cleveland team uh, based on their post-Arians careers. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't think it would be a terrible coaching decision. I think there's always a risk of bringing someone back who, you know, obviously has been out of football for a while and is retired already. But I think Bruce Arians has proven that, you know, age is no, isn't necessarily a negative and you know if he's really passionate about it and he's really up for it as he seems to be for this particular job then uh, he certainly would be something you'd have to seriously consider my concern it really ungenuinely is that Bruce Arians might actually drop dead uh, if he continues coaching like he was the colours he was turning on the sideline the last few seasons of Arizona are not colours humans are meant to be when they're fully oxygenated. Carolina safety Eric Reed, uh, after complaining about being picked for too many random drug tests by the NFL, has been picked for another random drug test. Uh, like, he's had five since the end of September. Like, is, is the NFL still racist? Yes, very. <laughs> so as we'll discuss later, maybe a little bit less racist than it was previously. Well, <laughs> oh shit, man. Oh, God. Uh, you're not wrong. Um... <laughs> Yeah. So uh, into, I suppose, crime and punishment, where hopefully Adrian Peterson will be featuring in this section next week. Linebacker Ruben Foster was arrested on domestic violence charges again. Uh, this time San Francisco decided to release him. If you remember his, uh, the accusations, I think, were earlier in the year. The victim then uh, recanted their accusations when it came to trial, which... You know, a lot of people took his evidence of being, oh, she was just in it for the money, she just blah, 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 as opposed to being, you know, unfortunately a a very typical pattern in in domestic violence cases. And it appears that this was the case, that Ruben Foster went and beat her up again. There's a bit of cynicism about this, isn't it? That, like, the first time round, he was, you know, very highly thought of, and now his play has dropped. He's looking a bit ropier. And then now San Fran decide to make the stand and decide that this is now too much it's a bit it's hard to feel like i mean obviously it's good that he's been released but i think there's a real cynicism to this 
I think the, the, how quickly they were they did it probably indicates yes the cynicism of like he isn't performing he seems to be on the way down and obviously you know you know like after the like the first time you trust him the second time you can't really do that again uh, even you know, <coughs> yeah uh, well yeah exactly well like I think in that situation you're looking at I think even if he were playing well they probably would have got him uh, but it maybe would have taken like a couple of days to think it over or whatever like that. But I think like given what had happened already, it would be hard to get away with it. I think the one thing to take away from this is that John Lynch, obviously the San Francisco 49ers are kind of in a tailspin, albeit their quarterback is out this season. But I think this kind of doesn't speak well to John Lynch. Obviously, these teams, when an accusation like this comes up, do investigate them. They do look into did this happen or what was going on here. And the fact that this has happened so soon doesn't exactly strike me that the San Francisco 49er did their due diligence or, in a more cynical point of view, may have been willing to overlook evidence to, yeah. give, to give a 50-50, 60-40, 70-30 chance that he was actually engaging in highly questionable and, and illegal behaviour. Yeah, no, this is horrible. I'm glad Ruben Foster's gone. Uh, what a dick. But that's what happens when you don't play well and you beat women. But you have to do both at the same time, apparently, or get caught on camera and then suspended and then unsuspended. And then anyway... Don't hit women. Or people. Don't hit people. James Winston didn't hit anybody, but he has a history of, you know, doing possibly worse things. Uh, so his uh, sexual battery lawsuit with the Uber driver that we mentioned over the off-season has ended in a settlement, as these civil cases generally tend to do. It's, uh, you know, you pay it off, you make the problem go away, no admission of guilt. He's got a little bit of a track record in this regard, plus all of the stuff that happened down in house Like... Is Jameis Winston playing badly enough that he might eventually, like, just be... Somebody might decide he's more of a headache than he's worth? Because, like, this guy... I'd kind of forgotten about this a little bit. And it's a reminder, this guy, like, is a serial offender. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a major question. But when you settle out of court, you you, want, you sign the um, confidentiality agreement. Yeah, so no disclosure. It keeps, it keeps things under wraps. Obviously, his quarterback play is a completely different situation, but... I would be surprised if he wasn't playing on a, on a roster next season. I'll, I'll say that, and that's very unfortunate. But that, that's just the way the business is. It seems you can always do a Peyton Manning and like just get famous and successful enough that he can then breach the NDA and nobody will care. Oh well, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, footballers stop doing crimes. Trades, extensions, blah blah. Not a huge amount here. Arizona have released oh, offensive tackle Andre Smith and cornerback Ben Ben Wickery, but it's really hard to care about either uh, any of that. I mean, that is a team that's rubbish, and these are depth players. Yeah, it's an indication that they're clearing out all the old players, so we'll see lots of yeah. young crap offensive linemen and cornerbacks for the rest of the season. Can't wait. Right, miscellaneous news. This is <laughs> foreshadowed earlier by Ronan. Texans owner Bob McNair has died at the age of 81. He will probably be succeeded by his son, Carl, because as we know, the NFL is not a real business. It is a feudal monarchy. Bob McNair did great things to bring you know, football to Houston, great things for the city and for tech. Blah. He was a fucking racist. He was a fucking <laughs> racist piece of shit. He was an awful human being. I don't care what he did for football. You know what? grand like I'm, I'm sorry it's harsh i i struggle to feel sad because he was just a really really unpleasant person you know we had paul allen dying earlier this year and obviously he's someone who was respected the community and had saved football in seattle but he didn't have the history of being an absolute racist so <laughs> always a major benefit in his favor so yeah i think you know kyle mcnair that that's it doesn't strike me as one of the more powerful owners going forward um, like a son inheriting it probably doesn't have much of an independent fortune 
or that's probably getting split um, beyond the team. So, like uh, that can have an effect on a team. See, uh, see the Raiders, yeah. but we'll see if that has any influence on the future of the organization. If they keep playing decent football, they'll stay in Houston. But it's a big enough market. We'll see. True, and hopefully Cal McNair is less racist. His name is Cal McNair, so I'm not holding my breath. We nearly had a two for it. Mike Ditka had a heart attack. Uh, he's fine, apparently, but he's also a racist. So fuck Mike Ditka. <laughs> Couple of couple of little things in here, and this is one I didn't know. So Philip Rivers had a, a really efficient game, a really good game, uh, twenty eight of twenty nine, crazy for two hundred fifty nine yards and three TDs. That's the best completion percentage by a quarterback with at least twenty attempts in NFL history, ninety six point six. It also equals the consecutive completions record, which previously was held by Ryan Tannehill, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like, like Ryan Tannehill's all just went like five yards, whereas occasionally <laughs> Philip Rivers' dump-offs went like 15, 20 yards because, you know, they're an actual team. Ryan Tannehill's never been an actual team, as far as I'm aware. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, Philip Rivers, it was a really good performance. I, I would say like there was probably a handful of, like, like really good throws. There was a there was a touchdown to Mike Williams and a touchdown. The two touchdowns uh, that he got, uh, the two the two ladder touchdowns were actually very good. But a lot of them were just like dump it off to Austin Eckler, dump it off to Melvin Gordon. They do a lot of work for you. I, I think Marcus Mariota had a really good completion percentage as well. He lost by a shit ton of points. So it, it was everything. But like Philip Rivers, he is good at probably a better track record for this record to have. Than having Ryan Tannehill continue to hold it forever. Well, they both they both they both hold it now, so I'm not sure it's necessarily better. And we had another streak, well, a streak come to an end actually. Cleveland uh, broke their road loss streak, which had set at 25 by uh, absolutely annihilating. Let's be honest, the Cincinnati Bengals, meaning that once again the saddest team in the NFL uh, with their record undefeated at 26 is Detroit. Congratulations, Cleveland, on only tying one of Detroit's incredibly crappy records over the last few years and avoiding this one. This was quite... I, I think we should, like... We're not going to get into this game because it wasn't, it wasn't good. Well, it was, it was fun. It wasn't good. So we're not going to put it in the game. But, like, the Browns spent the whole day fucking with Hugh Jackson, and that was just... <laughs> that was a sight to behold. Like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> see it, everything, like, giving the ball... Handing the... Was it... One of the guys the handed the ball to him after a pick? interception. Brought the ball over the Hugh Jackson. Gave it to him. Hugh Jackson takes it off him. It's just like a one second where Hugh Jackson is just, his like, computing just broke. And it's like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> exactly. And there was him also trying to get in on the post-game handshake between the two quarterbacks as well and getting kind of awkwardly sort of shuffling around the side of them like, you know, your mate who's waiting for an opportunity to interrupt a conversation but doesn't know if it's too serious or not to move in yeah. yet. And it's like, oh, my yeah. God. So that yes, like a sign when a, when a proposed hug turns into a ruffle of the hair. Yeah, Hugh Jackson got humiliated, and his team got humiliated by the team he had been humiliated by. Well, through his efforts for the best part of a couple <laughs> of years. So of course, immediately rumors have started that he will become the next head coach, the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, <laughs> we want to talk about dysfunctional organizations, like. Yeah, the Cincinnati <laughs> are one of those organizations where the owner is actually the worst. <laughs> Somehow the complete mediocrity of Marvin Jones has kind of covered that up for like a decade. Like Marvin Jones is probably as good as that organization deserves. Occasionally competent football. But yeah, like Demarius Randall got in the game. Peppers, Jabril Peppers got a lot of words in on him. And Baker Mayfield, there's now a controversy about him basically saying like he didn't, he didn't like want to talk to him because he left for, you know, a division rival and screwed him over. And a lot of talk over, well, it's just the business. He needs to mature. And I like, to a certain extent, that's true. Baker will probably be like that five years from now. The fact right now that he's so fucking 
wants to prove the Cleveland Browns are a serious organization who yeah. want to win, that he's like, I hate that coach who made us bad and who's gone to a rival, it's probably a good sign that their quarterback gives a shit that much. To be fair, if any of the members of Cleveland Brown don't hate Hugh Jackson for wasting uh, two and a half seasons of their yeah. careers, they, they probably should. The one, the one problem is that now, now you have Greg Williams going back to, oh, I just annotated with phone calls and texts. Everyone's like, oh, I just had a man walk down the street that I've been offered 15 jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a f- feeling Greg Williams probably won't be the head coach next season, which is fine. He'll be like the Jets coach, and it's going to oh be hilarious. No, Tom Brady's going to die. He's old and easily broken. And uh, one of the little things, Josh Rosen got uh, quite literally hit with a uh, hit with a penalty flag, fortunately, uh, unlike instances a few decades ago. Didn't lose an eye over it, which is good. I just lo- like when like he gives the clip yeah. and the Twitter, like the Twitter chat, like having a bit of fun. Like It's good that I know he's having fun, considering the season the Cardinals are having. That's <laughs> true. You've got to be ready as a rookie to troll new things at you every week. Uh, but I think the, the favorite thing with that clip is that when he's hit with a penalty, you can visibly see him go like, what the hell happened? Is a defender around me? <laughs> 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 Turn into tiny little defenders? Uh, or if the fans start throwing coins at me. Well, yeah, like, anyway. well, he's not playing Philly, so... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's in, it's in Bory with the Chargers sitting. There's no fans there. I <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with that, we'll move on to the game reviews. So, first up in the Ring of Honor, we have... Fitz did this. Seattle at Carolina. This one's going to let Ronan pick the games. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle at Carolina. It was a good game. It was a good game. This was a really... This is this is weird one, because this was like a matchup, right, between two, like, kind of good teams that aren't actually that good. And as a result, they, like, kind of matched up really well. And um, it was it was fun. It was a fun game to watch. There was lots of exciting football played. In the end, Seattle emerged victorious, thirty to twenty-seven, in a game which basically that if they'd lost that, that might have really set them back in the playoff race. But now they're very much in that, uh, rather than being out of it. Uh, very exciting. We saw some issues with Carolina, like there were things where they were close to they 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 missed a couple of kicks. They could have had um, there was some questionable play calling to to go for it in the red zone on fourth down and so on. This was fun and very important in that NFC playoff race. So let's talk about a couple of things here. So, like, Seattle managed to, to win this with some luck, as we discussed, I think. Despite the fact that, they, like, whenever Christian McCaffrey got the ball, they all just sort of put their hands up and went, I'm not tackling him. Uh, McCaffrey had a start day, 100 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving over both, a couple of touchdowns. But they still won. They were still able to do exactly what they needed to do uh, on the on the offensive side of the ball, even with their defense being a little bit all over the place. They were efficient. They were effective. And um, scored one a ludicrous deep ball from touchdown, which was very fun. Do you think Seattle can do this? Do you think they can maintain this form? And have they found something that works enough that they'll beat the other teams? Because I think they've beaten Carolina, they've beaten Green Bay, beat the other teams in the hunt enough to get themselves like a fifth or sixth seed. Yeah, I think their schedule down the stretch isn't too bad. They have uh, San Francisco twice, and they have the Cardinals. Uh, the other two games are the Minnesota Vikings, which will be huge. If they win that, they're definitely probably a favorite to take out a wild card. And they have the Chiefs in the penultimate week, at which point the Chiefs might already have locked up a thing. It might be a, a, they might rest some starters. It's a hopeful, very good spot. Hopeful, um, hopeful voice there. Yeah, hopeful voice. I think from the Seahawks' point of view, the most the best thing about this win was that it wasn't like the other wins or the other competitive games they've had against top-level opponents, like those two games where they played the Rams pretty close, where they were so reliant on their run game. They were playing such a run-heavy offense, you know, we're talking like 150 to 200 yards 
on the ground in this game significantly less less than 100 yards on the ground and yet they still managed to find a way and we suddenly saw that Russell Wilson is good at quarterbacking again because this year they've kind of spent nearly the entire season hiding Russell Wilson but then you see that like that that, that touchdown to David Moore on fourth and three throwing it to the end zone in a 50-50 ball situation trusting his receiver and it, it, it mattered uh, it, like it was made a huge difference there I think like from my perspective, it was good to see that if things go wrong, Seattle and Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll are willing to go, actually, Russell Wilson is good at football. We can start passing the ball because they're selling out so hard for the run that they're leaving you know, one-on-ones all over the shop. And Tyler Lockett and David Moore and, and Doug Baldwin didn't have a great game, but he had a couple of missed throws here that he probably should have caught for touchdown. Uh, are a good enough receiving group to, to, to you know, be competitive, at least. I think... On the defensive side, obviously they gave up a shit ton of yards, but I think you have to give a lot of credit for stiffening up at the points which mattered, um, particularly those like they got a turnover on downs in, in on the first drive yep. um, by stuffing Christian Caffrey after they decided that Christian Caffrey should go tr- tr- between the tackles. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they had do an interception on the I think first drive of the second half. Uh, from Bradley McDougall when they threw to some no-name receiver. So, like, Carolina, they probably could have made smarter decisions and Seattle might be able to stop them, but Seattle can only take away what they can take away and Carolina played into them. I think Carolina all probably should have won this game, similar to the Packers last week, but Seattle did enough big plays on defense to win and that they did enough on offense to win. Uh, and much like that Chiefs-Rams games, defense these days is as much about what you, like the big plays that you make rather than necessarily you know, being bend not break, all that kind of boring stuff. If you can make a few big plays, that can make all the difference in today's NFL. Yeah, that's that is that is fair. Just a brief note then on Carolina themselves, and you mentioned it there that there was some questionable decision making. It's not the first game this season where we've seen Carolina be aggressive when they perhaps don't need to be, or the opposite at times. Just briefly, do you think that like Ron Rivera still has it, or is there like problems with the coaching and play selection that we're seeing from this team? Because when they have a guy like McCaffrey running absolutely wild and getting good games out of guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Cam Newton, Greg Olson, like this team should have put up more than 27 points, right? There's got to be something going on there. It isn't necessarily the players. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of the yips about them right now. Obviously, that Detroit loss last week, very similar, should have won, ended up losing, kicking mistakes, not finishing plays, being bad in the red zone. Obviously, like the red zone kind of issue, we know it can be kind of random. Like, look at how Atlanta have turned out around this season. Yeah, and just a bit of bad luck on their case. I don't think he's lost, and I still think he's a good coach, and this is still a good team that should have a good chance of making the playoffs. But I just think right now, there's just a bit too much inconsistency. Their defensive line is a little bit inconsistent. They're like, their defensive backs, we obviously know Elder Corn isn't. Uh, a star of the future based on this performance. <laughs> and I think on offense, there's definitely a sense that they have lots of really cool-looking plays where Christian McCaffrey goes crazy, where Curtis Samuel had a really good play, DJ Moore does some really cool stuff. But when you just need to grind it out, which is something that they used to be good at, they really can't do it at the moment. Even with the improved play from Cam Newton, you still get the feeling that when Carolina are ahead or when they're in those key red zone situations... When they aren't able to rely on the trickery and the DJ Moore kind of craziness, they, they still look a little bit lost. And to a certain extent, I just think like in those situations, if they, they may want to return to uh, more old school Cam Newton play, just run him up the middle aggressively. Because like he's right now he's hesitating a lot. 
on that game that they lost to Detroit, there was a lot of standing around on the two-point conversion. Yeah, there's a lot of QB draws and stuff going yeah. on in that game, I noticed, and him trying to like hide behind tackles, which isn't... Yeah, he's not Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, like, I don't get <laughs> it. <laughs> and I think whatever they're doing to the design run, a lot of them are just not Cam Newton. Like, I think in the red zone, if they were swimming the pan a bit more like they used to, that might help them just overcome this. I think they're still, they'll probably still make the playoffs, but yeah, these yips are a bit worrying for a team that look possibly like they could compete with the New Orleans Saints a few weeks ago, and now they're definitely out of that race. Yeah, I think it's a weird one when you talk about pounding it. It's like, McCaffrey, like we saw a fantastic game for him, but like it would help if they did have somebody who could run up the middle. I mean, it's weird like that we saw CJ Anderson's line for them to be yeah. not utilised at all. And it always seems weird to be like, well, this guy's putting up monster numbers. Maybe he shouldn't get as many touches, but I, I do think there's a, an element there of being like, all right, there is something lacking from that offense. So I think you, you put your finger on it that for all of the brilliant things they got from McCaffrey and Moore and, and uh, Samuel and whoever else throughout this game, there were those key moments where they needed to utilize a different type of player and they yeah. didn't have that. And that that's a, that's a really good point. I think in this game, Greg Olson, I think he's not quite where he was like a couple of years ago and Devin Funches was out. Maybe those are the kind of guys that would have given him a chance to do a few jump ball type of situations. True, true. Although Olsen did, of course, do a fantastic job of falling on a fumble that uh, could have really cost them in the... Well, Carolina had six fumbles in this game and they recovered the ball. So it wasn't all good looking Seattle. That's true, yes. Uh, That is is a ridiculous (laughs) stat. Right, on to the neutral zone, uh, which is Miami at Indianapolis, um, a game that I definitely saw some of. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I nothing, nothing made me want to watch this game. Miami uh, were vanquished twenty four to twenty seven by the Colts, um, which then was immediately made irrelevant by the Texans winning. Andrew Luck led a, another comeback uh, after yeah the Dolphins jumped out to a lead. Another performance of three touchdowns. Miami went into their shell after they took the lead. The same kind of problem that we've seen from a variety of teams this season. I don't know why teams still do it, to be honest with you, when they don't have the talent and they try to just play clock control and ball control and ground control and they just can't fucking do it. There was also this just strange things in this game, like lots of sloppy play. We saw like three turnovers within the two-minute warning at the end of the first half. It was just a little a, a, a weird game in a lot of ways. So I suppose let's talk about the Colts a little bit here. This is a team with talent now. Uh, we've seen the massive improvements on the O-line. We've seen Andrew Luck. Like, he's playing at a really high level now. Like This is kind of, if there weren't other quarterbacks playing at such an insanely high level right now, like Breeze and Mahomes, this could potentially be an MVP candidate. And we've seen guys like Darius Leonard emerge on the defense. He looks fantastic and probably uh, there'd be a shout for defensive rookie of the year. Uh, although they are still lacking in other areas. We've seen even though like guys like we picked off the scrap people like Pierre Desir become useful players. We've seen um, the, 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 some talent from the running backs now. Naheem, Naheem Hines looks good in spot work. Marlon Mack's been good. Uh, Eric Ebron has revitalized his career. We all sort of thought the Colts were just going to go through a, a down thing and waste luck. But like under Frank Reich, it, it seems like this is a, a mini renaissance. This might be the basis for them being a coherent challenger and a, a good team next season that could really win this division. Yeah, I think I think that's a, exactly where I'm at on the, on at the moment. They look like a team which is still in the kind of form of rebuilding into what they're going to become under you know under Frank Reich. But even what we're seeing right now, that nucleus is just so exciting, and the fact it's all being catalyzed by Andrew Luck coming back from obviously his hiatus in let's say the Solomon Islands uh, and. 
coming for <laughs> new places he went <laughs> each week. Um, so he comes back and he's been playing out of his skin, as you say. Another great performance here, uh, accepting that two-minute warning weirdness where he drew interception, two interceptions in like within four plays. But like whatever, that's like just one of those weird aberrations. Maybe he's pushing too much, but I think just like like yeah, you're, like there are the nucleus of kind of players who are going to be the great players on this team in a couple of years' times. Andrew Luck. T.Y. Hilton continues to be great. Uh, Marlon Mack can potentially be the running back in the future. Darius Leonard looks already like a major star, but they're still filling in the gaps with like Chester Rogers and Pierre Desaire and, and people like that. So they're not quite there yet. But that doesn't mean that like obviously I think they're gonna it's gonna be tough to overcome Houston. But based on everything they have to do, if you're an, if you're a Colts fan, based on what you like saw last year and what you were kind of expecting this year, to see the team perform this well so quickly. It makes you really excited. And if they can make it to the playoffs, we know the Colts are well capable of knocking off a, a better team or two. And, you know, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. I think in the wild card hunt, like, who are you competing against? Like, the Ravens, the Titans, the, the Bengals. Like, yeah, like, based on who they have to fight for that last playoff spot, like, the Ravens are probably the only legitimate opposition. And in a head-to-head of who I would want to see and who I think will be there, because the, the Colts were pretty soft end of season schedule uh, the Colts win it hides out because they're just, they're just a fun team to watch right now and based on where they were a couple, like a year ago that's really just it's good to see that happening even if any of the Colts get all the luck on this certain team they are on the other fun. hand yes. the I'm not even going to like, waste your time on introducing the Miami Dolphins because they're so bland and pointless yeah, they're the least fun team in the NFL aren't they in many ways like, and we'll talk about the next two blandest teams in the, in the dumpster fire, but the Miami Dolphins are just a pointless team. Ryan Tannehill, 200 yards. Frank Gore, I love Frank Gore. He's a great guy. But, you know, Kenyon Drake is an explosive uh, piece who, who had a number of big plays in this game. But no, Frank Gore, keep running him up the middle for like three yards carry or whatever that is. You know, your, uh, your wide receivers are like Danny Amendola, oh man, get I'm excited. Uh, like I know he's <laughs> the boy, but like, you know, he's not exactly gonna explode the world. Devontae Parker has three receptions for ten yards. Like that's like I don't know what they're using. And then like their only like explosive play was, was, that didn't come from Kenya Drake was like a ridiculous lucky touchdown to Leonte Carew. Uh, and their and their defense is like adequate. It's alright. Javian Howard is good. Eco Alonso is good. Lincoln Fitzpatrick is okay. But, you know, when the chips are down, they had a 10-point lead here. They gave it up. Andrew Luck showed that a good offense with a good quarterback will make mincemeat of them. And they might as well just disassemble Miami. They're not even they don't even, they're not even entertainingly bad. They're just like... Bad. Uh, they're bad. Yeah, Miami definitely a team that we don't particularly want to watch. Um, yeah, which is reflected so, in our uh, team mentioned stats. Yes. Significantly. Yeah, we just don't talk about them. Scrap. Throw them in that pile with the Titans and whoever else. So on to the dumpster fire then, as you flagged. Uh, Washington at Dallas. Uh, 23 to 31 victory for Dallas. Dallas got the win thanks to two huge performances. One from Ezekiel Elliott, 110 yards and a touchdown. And one from Amari Cooper, 180 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, your defense is in some condition when it's getting brutalized by Amari Cooper. Colt McCoy looked all right, but he threw two picks. Uh, the generally the offense looked pants though overall for Washington. Um, defense Didn't is look too solid. Much more pants than you well, yeah, I mean, okay, fair enough. I don't, I don't think we need to discuss these teams individually because we've done a lot and they're kind of boring. Um, yeah. Are both of these an experiment to see how far you can get without a quarterback? 
Yeah, to a certain extent. Like, they've both built their teams surprisingly similar. They're both, we have a good offensive line, run the ball with your bell cow. Obviously, the Adrian Peterson situation is a bit weird because that wasn't expected, but I think Darius Geis was going to go into that role if he hadn't got injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just run the ball and hide your quarterback who's okay. And, you know, you're a highly overpaid quarterback soon. And Cowboys already overpaid in Alex Smith, to be honest, considering just wasting him. And then rely on, like, maybe one or two good players in your pass attack to do something. Um, I don't even think that the, 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 the Mazungas have a good player on offense. Like, Jordan Reed looked okay here, but, like, he's not really the player he may have become without those injuries. And then, yeah, Amari Cooper has turned out to be an okay acquisition on a one-year rental. We'll see if that... Like, it, it looks good right now, but is it a good long-term position? I don't think so. And then both of them have, like, solid, but not spectacular defense. So they're just boring teams from, like, 1995, yes. smacking into each other. And the only reason the Dallas Cowboys won is because they're less injured than the Mizzoukos. And that meant that they got the, you know, advantage there. Like, there's less of them on IOR, so they win. Um, <laughs> that's basically what this game came down to. That's if, the entire I, NFC East this season, isn't it? Like, this would have been a tie if both teams were at their full strength, in my opinion. An everlasting tie for the ages. And it's just, yeah, both these teams, the way that they play football is just bad. They're in that Titans, Miami, like, Titans, Dolphins, these teams deserve to be alongside those two. This is what, like, who do you think is going to win the NFC East, right? Because this is, this is wide open at this point. So, like, if you're the, so the, the, the Washington and uh, the Eagles play next week, then... Um, Washington then play the Giants, then they play the Jags, the Titans, and then the Eagles again. So that's a pretty soft schedule, but if the Eagles win both those games, that makes things wide open. The Eagles, on the other hand, as well as the two games against Washington, have the Cowboys, the Rams, and the Texans, which is much tougher, and the Cowboys themselves have caught the, uh, the Eagles, as we mentioned beforehand. They also have the Colts, Bucks, Giants, and Saints. This is a mess, right? Who's going to win this division? Yeah. Is it going to be the Giants somehow? Going to a clerk player? <laughs> I think, think it's one scenario where the Giants can still win the division. But uh, is, it, is it a tabulation but, error? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I think the Cowboys are probably still favored because I think they're good enough to beat their fellow NFC dumpster fires just because they, they have Ezekiel Elliott and Mark Cooper's turned out to be okay. And Dak Prescott is probably the second best quarterback in the division. That's not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> But like I think the Cowboys are slight favorites. I think then the Eagles. And I just think this. Like I know they have the softest schedule, but it's just there's such a mess right now. Uh, I just don't see this team with like the Mazungas even winning teams against games against bad teams. I see them like uh, circling the toilet and they'll drop out and finish on like six wins or, or seven wins max uh, and not be relevant. Uh, but then again, you only need eight or nine wins probably to win this. Oh yeah, yeah, it's like we're gonna have to talk about them because they'll probably be like one of the, like one of the most. Uh, playoff relevant divisions going forward, but we're not going to like it. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not. We're not. I mean, like the the Giants are actually the highest uh, scoring team in that division. That tells you everything you need to know about it. Uh, so I guess we'll uh, hop on to our picks and previews for next week. So we have a slate of games. I believe the bye weeks are over now, so we have a full slate again. Some interesting ones in here. Some ones I don't want to watch. Some ones that are actually going to be really exciting. Uh, so I guess we'll start, as usual, with Thursday Night Football. We have New Orleans at the Dallas Cowboys, who we were just talking about. So, Ronan, uh, you've picked uh, Dallas as the division winner, but we've all picked New Orleans to win this game. I wonder why that could be. Yeah, like I didn't say they were going to beat New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans are kicking ass and taking names right now. Obviously, 
I've been on the New Orleans hype train since the start of the season, and I have no reason to get off it right now. The only question is whether New Orleans make this a somewhat close game, because Dallas play okay, or if New Orleans decide once again to go in and absolutely eviscerate a team for the rest of the country to enjoy. And I don't think there are, there are like, there's a surprisingly large number of teams I support against, but the Dallas Cowboys are still definitely in the top 10. Uh, and no, there's no harm in seeing Jerry Jones and <laughs> be drained from him by what little life he has left uh, by Drew Brees and the gang. Fair. Uh, Chicago at the New York <laughs> Giants. We've gone from Chicago across the board. I remain still unconvinced about the Chicago team, but Trubisky might be back, and the Giants are garbage, so it doesn't really matter. Chicago should. Chicago's defense is just going to completely shut them down, as far as I'm concerned. Arizona at Green Bay. We've gone for Green Bay across the board in another very... Sorry, Ron. I don't know why I'm just giving you all these squash matches to preview. In fact, I've actually done them in the wrong sequence, so I'm going to have to give you two in a row now. Um, Arizona at Green Bay. We've gone for Green Bay across the board. Why is that? Yeah, I think like Arizona are a dumpster fire right now. There's talk about them giving up on the coach, and Steve Wilkes is probably on the hot seat. And Green Bay, even though hopefully Mike McCarthy will get fired, regardless of what happens mm-hmm. the rest of the way, they're probably pretty much out of playoff contention, but they have Aaron Rodgers, uh, and that should be enough to beat Arizona. You know, Aaron Rodgers can probably beat still, like, I'd say 12 teams in the league single-handedly, uh, even with the awful dumpster fire Mike McCarthy is creating around him these days. Well, he probably could have uh, done with beating a few more teams single-handedly than he has this season, because he hasn't beaten very many. Beating a dumpster fire. that's impossible. Uh, Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Uh, we've gone for Indianapolis across the board, Ronan. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I, I think we've just talked about how much of a dumpster fire they are. And the Colts are a team that's you know, feeling themselves right now, so I expect an absolute blowout here. Uh, against the the vaunted Jacksonville defense, more three touchdown performances for Andrew Luck on the way. Seems entirely fair. Uh, Cleveland at Houston. This is my game of the week. Playoff implications. Yeah, no, I just don't Cleveland. <laughs> I just really like Cleveland. So the boys have gone for Houston, and I have gone for Cleveland because I believe in Cleveland. I don't know why. Like, I think, no, I think we've seen this defense, despite the injury, sort of come back and look a little bit more cohesive. It wasn't like, Bengals have been fairly poor, but like, they were absolutely shut down. That was with Andy Dalton playing rather than Driscoll. I think Houston has winning streak makes them look better than they are. I think they have beaten a series of very, very soft teams. They're a good team. They're not a great team. There's significant problems the defense isn't still isn't as good as it should be and that offense is still very reliant on deandre hopkins going up and getting it we did see a bit more from them in the run game uh, last week this week but like i i, I don't they're playing titans I don't, I don't give a shit like i mean i, I don't think that's going to suit it cleveland look cleveland's offense was again okay Cincinnati's defense it was fantastic it was really explosive like we saw Great game from great great games from from Callaway. Uh, we saw a really fun touchdown where the offensive lineman just picked David Njoku up and wrestled him into the end zone uh, from about six yards out, which was which was spectacular. Nick Chubb is 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 very good, I think, and as that running game hasn't really lost a step with Hyde's departure. I think Cleveland is a really exciting team, and I want to see them win more games. And I think Houston are just kind of lame at the moment, and just not as like I, I want Houston to be fun, but they. Like, a team with DeAndre Hopkins should be fun, and Deshaun Watson should be fun, like, but they're not. So Bill O'Brien has win. replicated, like, some of the efficiency of New England, uh, but he's mostly replicated the no fun of New England. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's copied, like, like per 
perfectly that they're no crack <laughs> at all. But at least New England are fun to watch play football, you know? Houston just aren't. So yeah, I think Cleveland will win because I I, I just I just want Cleveland to win games and Houston are boring and I would actually love nothing more than Indianapolis to overtake Houston into the playoffs because Indianapolis are fun and Houston are boring. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Uh, I've given up on my Tampa Bay hero picks and we've gone for Carolina across the board. Ronan? Tampa Bay, they, they actually won this week against an awful San Francisco team, but I think Carolina... It, based on what they're doing right now, I wouldn't be shocked to see them lose. But I think <laughs> find a way. Talent, based on the talent differential, you would hope they're able to win against an absolutely cack defense. Uh, but James Winston will throw a couple more picks, hopefully, and uh, we can get back to service uh, resumed uh, after what was a relatively clean performance against uh, San Francisco. And if he get hit, if he gets hit a ton of times by Julius Peppers, there's no harm in that. Yep, absolutely true. Uh, Buffalo at Miami. We've both gone for Miami and Connor, presumably because he knows we, he won't be here for us to roast him for this pick, has gone for Buffalo. Josh um, Allen, boy! I will attempt to defend Connor's pick. Connor hit his head when he was making these. <laughs> like, Connor has been seduced by Buffalo's <laughs> victory over like a team that literally looks like half of them are about to like strangle each other on the field. Like, but beating Jacksonville doesn't count at the moment. They are so disorganized. They are so inept. Buffalo were not good in that game. The whole thing was Josh Allen pulling the ball down and going, oh, you can't catch me. I'm very tall. And Jacksonville <laughs> like, oh, he is very tall. I don't know what to do. I better get out of the way. Like Miami might be terrible and mediocre, but mediocrity is enough to beat Buffalo, because if you're just, like, really solid at a low level and just, like, control the ball, Josh Allen will do stupid things. And he just did. They were, let him, the, the, don't let him run. Yeah. Don't let him pass deep. Well, that's been even the passing deep. Like, that big hump-up touchdown that he scored to, God knows, some, like, practice squad receiver. That, that shouldn't. That guy. That should never have happened. Should never be completion. Should not have been allowed on that play. Like, yeah. yeah. And Kelvin Benjamin like bobbling the ball for fifteen minutes, oh trying to catch it. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Like, yeah. Look, Jacksonville are just dog shit. And we can't judge anything by it. Miami are dog shit, but like kind of solid, and they should be able to control a very like. Let's be honest, predictable Buffalo team. Denver at Cincinnati. We've gone for Denver across the board. Run it. Yeah, I don't think any of us are on the Jeff Driscoll uh, hype train. And Denver have suddenly turned into a kind of relevant team. Big win against Pittsburgh, even though they probably should have lost. They've mm. played a number of good teams tough, and they've got a very soft end-of-season schedule. Cincinnati are, like, absolute dog shit right now, and they were playing terrible even with Andy Dalton. So I think even uh, Von Miller alone would be sufficient to pick against the Bay Bengals in this game. The fact that they, like, Philip Lindsay's looking good, and... Um, Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton look okay in the offense. Their offense actually looks okay with Philip Lindsay there, so that might that should be enough to overcome an absolutely awful system. Yeah. Philip Lindsay, please. <laughs> Touches is not enough. Help my fantasy team. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, Baltimore at Atlanta. We've got a bit of a disagreement on this. Myself and Connor have gone for Atlanta. Ronan's taking the arguably more sense on picking Baltimore. Basically, this is Atlanta at home in the Dome. Like, this Lamar Jackson thing is fucking weird. Like, at some point, that Lamar Jackson thing is going to run to a team that's like, oh, hey, wait a minute. Football. Professional football. We should be able to stop <laughs> this guy. Like, he's not... He's so raw and so not ready and doesn't understand scheme concepts. How are we not stopping him? Um, uh, that's why you, you stay right up to the end 
You start Lamar Jackson for the first quarter, and then the second quarter, Joe Flacco emerges <laughs> from the tunnel <laughs> to save their season. Joe Flacco, the hero once again. I realized as soon as I said it that I'm like, and the team to expose him for not knowing any is the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the Falcons are <laughs> such a weird team this year. Like Julio Jones is on force to like beat his second second highest number of yards in a season for a receiver and could potentially overhaul Megatron if he has a really good end of the season. Matt Ryan is having a really good season based on statistics. Their defense has obviously been trash, uh, but with the amount of points that they've scored, they should not be this bad at football, but somehow they keep losing. So Baltimore are a team that kind of are decent at winning even when they shouldn't. So that's probably why I've mostly gone for them, even though I'm not sure that they should, especially Atlanta at home where their offense is even more explosive. Atlanta, it's just such a weird season for them this year. Rams at the Lions. And again, a shocking turn of events. We've gone for the Rams. Running. Yeah, I think Detroit got their one lucky win against the Panthers. They won't be getting any more. Um, all you have to do, Rams, is just cover Kenny Galday and you will win. Yeah, they, they are... Yes, their receiving core is, is somewhat thin on the ground. Then again, the Rams, haven't, the, the Rams haven't been able to cover anyone this year, so who knows? Kansas City and Oakland, we've gone for Kansas City across the board. My analysis <laughs> of this game is lol. Uh, I wish Connor was here so he could talk about it. I'm kind of glad he isn't because I imagine his erection will be visible from space. Kansas City <laughs> are going to do unseemly things to this extremely bad Oakland yeah. Raiders team. The only question is if they take mercy on them in like the third, second no, round. No mercy. No uh, yeah. mercy. The, the mercy that, isn't in this Kansas City team. And it's Oakland. To, to the Rams. They're ready to fillet oh. some <laughs> Poor Oakland, yeah. Raider rib. It's like, you know, when, when a boxer loses to a, an opponent and they bring in like some tomato can who's like <laughs> and just let him wail on some dude to get his confidence back that's exactly what this game is oh poor, I think poor this game open. might be so bad Jordy Nelson will actually retire this time <laughs> <laughs> I saw him throw a block last week I think that was all he did the Jets at the Titans uh, this guy could be close uh, we've gone for Tennessee across the board Ronan yeah, like the Jets have just gone. I don't know what happened to the Jets. They've just gone absolutely down the toilet over the last. The J- Nothing happened to the Jets. They're a bad team. Yeah, I know, but like just the, like the level to which like they've like they dipped into Hugh Jackson Cleveland levels of incompetence right now. Uh, and Tennessee are a terrible team, and no one likes them, and they should stop playing football. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dion Lewis, Corey Davis, Mark Verona, they're like all okay. And that is probably more than enough against an absolutely dog shit Jets team, which will probably bring out Josh McGowan once again to throw to Jermaine Curse. Uh, Robbie Anderson is still there, apparently. Elisha McGuire, wow, exciting. And their defense is still bad. Another defensive coach kind of not being good at defense. I blame college football. Right, Minnesota at New England. We've actually gone for New England across the board here, which is a little bit surprising, uh, given that New England haven't looked very good recently in a lot of games. But yeah. most of the teams in the NFL haven't looked very good this season, including the Minnesota Vikings, who... Um, They're so flaky. Yeah, once again, did, did not convince... This is two like fairly unconvincing teams. This is in Foxborough. New England are unbeaten at home. Minnesota uh, have crumbled under the slightest amount of pressure this season. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. I think we'll see if... Like this is good. this this is going to be a weird game. This is either going to be really really low scoring or really really high scoring. Like this is one of those games we feel there's no two ways about it. Like either nothing will happen and it will just be a a, a drudge yeah. of like 
two-yard out passes to James White and dump-offs to Stephon Diggs in the flat, or this will be a crazy New England um, versus Kansas City-style yeah. shootout. Uh, there will be no middle ground with this game. It yeah. will either be excellent um, or terrible. Minnesota, it, it, the big question marks for them are Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook healthy again. Mm-hmm. If they are, then they could definitely win this game. But they've kind of, like, the, the, I, the, the, the some bolded those, it's kind of I, been, I don't think Dalvin Cook is, I don't think Dalvin Cook is very good. Uh, another secret, I think the Minnesota Vikings have a lot of secretly overrated players, one of whom is Dalvin Cook. And I mean, I don't know why he's overrated, because he's actually like played like three games in his career because he's permanently injured. <laughs> but I, I'm not... Uh, the fantasy darling. I, I, I remain... Skeptical. To be convinced uh, as to his future of his career. That's I mean, just a long way of saying skeptical. Yeah, it is. I mean, you don't have to repeat yourself too many times. Uh, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not loving what I've seen from Dalvin Cook so far this season. But he is young. He's got time. He's had a few injuries. Anyway, firstly, San Francisco at Seattle. We have gone for Seattle across the board. Ronan, why would your boys take this? Is it because San Francisco are terrible? Yeah, I, I courageously decided to pick for Seattle. I know that's pretty risky on my part, uh, given my track record. Yeah. <laughs> picking against them and then winning. Uh, to prove me wrong, thank you, Seattle, for doing that. But yeah, San Francisco, they were absolutely trash against a terrible Tampa Bay team. Matt Burrito will probably get some yards, but other than that, if they get Marquise Goodwin back, maybe they can get some catches. But otherwise, it's like Dante Pettis and, and other people. Uh, it, yeah, they don't have enough offense. And, and even though Kyle Jamahan is really good at offense, there's only so much you can do with Nick Mullins and Dante Pettis. And it's not enough to beat Tampa Bay. It's probably not enough to beat Seattle. True. True. That is a sad... Sad state of affairs. The Chargers at the Steelers. This is Ronan's game of the week. Ronan has picked Pittsburgh. I've picked Pittsburgh, but I'm not happy about it. And Connor has picked the Chargers, but he's also not particularly happy about it. Uh, do you want to give us a choice of some Ronan? This is definitely, I think, one of the more important games in terms of the um, AFC playoff chase, but also has the potential to be quite a bit of fun, right? Yeah, I think it should be a fun game. I think both offenses are more than able to play open. And I think for me, the two tipping points are, one, it's at Heinz Field, it's in Pittsburgh, and two, the injury to Melvin Gordon does definitely put a big hole into that, uh, into the Chargers' offensive game plan and will make them much more reliant on Philip Rivers, which is good because he's very good at football, but bad because, you know, like, like the Pittsburgh defense is decent at getting pressure, um, if TJ Wallace particularly in particular. So I think for me, you're looking at two explosive offenses. Juju Smith-Schuster had a massive game. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown had a good game. James Conner continues to be good, except for the fumbles, uh, which is the one thing people are now using to say, oh, Lev Bell, maybe they should have brought him back. That's the one thing they can hold on to right now. And yeah, I think overall that offense in Pittsburgh, after a poor start to the season, has turned into a pretty decent juggernaut. They really they would have won that game at Denver, except for a couple of freak plays, basically. Uh, particularly that, like the choice by their um, Grimble, Javier Grimble, their tight end, to go through the player, even though he admitted I could have went around him, uh, and then fumbling the ball uh, <laughs> for uh, for the touchback. Uh, not a great thing to admit, Grimble. Uh, with a name like Grimble, you're already uh, already pushing your luck as an NFL player. But anyway, Pittsburgh, explosive offense, good defense, some questionable on the back end. Basically, the, the, the Chargers are very similar. We know that Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, are both very good. And Austin Eckler, I think he'll do more dump-off pass with Austin Eckler, but he's shown that he's really good at that, so that should be fine. And then the defense, Joey Bosa got a couple of sacks in his second game back, and Melvin Ingram obviously is very good. 
a couple of injuries there, and they're they're, they're pretty. They're both just very similar teams. Really fun offenses, decent defenses, and it's going to smash them together on Sunday night, and hopefully they can have a ball at the time, uh, and we'll all be very entertained by it in the highlights we watch the next day. Because I'm not staying up until Sunday night because I have a job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at this fancy man. It's fancy job. <laughs> to all of our unemployed listeners, I also have a job. Sorry. Washington at Philadelphia. Uh, we've gone Philadelphia across the board, although my take is really, how is this a primetime game? To which I, Ronan has responded. NFC East, baby. Ratings. Ooh. Everyone loves ratings. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would watch this game. Uh, anyone would watch this game. This is this is garbage. Um, Philadelphia will probably win because they're slightly less straight garbage than Washington are right now, but these teams are straight garbage. This division is straight garbage. All divisions ending in East are straight garbage. We're definitely not watching this regardless of, of jobs. Uh, I don't think this will be a fun game. I think this will be similar to the Washington-Dallas um, game, just a horrible, and, and the Philly-New York game, just a horrible sloppy affair that's just marked by occasional moments of massive plays that are as much about defensive incompetence as they are about offensive creativity. Uh, a lot of mistakes, stupid penalties, bad decisions, coaching decisions. <sighs> yeah. I look forward I to watching anymore. another game of Golden Tate being wasted on like a half-year contract. Yeah, that, okay. Now that's... <laughs> that, uh, how, do you, how do you take Golden Tate, who is like the most prototypical possession receiver in the world, and be like, oh, I don't know what to do with them. Oh, what do we do? Would we, would, would we a screen pass? Would you like a, a screwjet sweep? And you're like, fucking send him on an intermediate route. What's wrong with you? Like, send him on a 10-yard curl. That's what he does. Under the radar, this game is literally just Jordan Reed versus Zachar. That, that's literally mm-hmm. this game. And Zach Ertz is better, so the Philadelphia Eagles will win this game. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a, a fair point. Okay, so yes, uh, let's never speak about the NFC East again for a week. Uh, I think <laughs> we're done week, here. Your NFC East special. I'm here for the end of time. <laughs> I I will not allow it. I will okay, not allow it. We we're gonna have to have an NFC East between now and the divisional round. No, no, we just fuck it. We'll just pretend that game doesn't happen. Okay, fair enough. Philadelphia won a fucking Super Bowl. What yeah. the fuck? And then <laughs> they destroyed their own city. That's Father Ted, Eurovision situation, yeah. where they're like, well, we can't win the Super Bowl again, otherwise Philadelphia <laughs> will actually fall into itself into like a Mad Max-style post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah. Well, even more so than already. But we... Yeah, no, fuck this division. Yeah, so that's uh, that's everything. If you think your life is sad, though, uh, have you heard about the alt-right's latest uh, thing among many? This one's really stupid. It's not one of the scary ones. No, I, I don't know. What They've it's... decided that too many women are living the high life of Instagram modeling and not paying their taxes. Okay. So they're trying... <laughs> They're like threatening them with like reporting them to the IRS for like just finding women on Instagram who you know people with Instagram they do little posy maybe do they have their little influencers which I think is ridiculous but now these men are like no no how can these women they're not paying taxes they won't sleep with me eh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the tax people about them and these people hate tax what's wrong with people it's it's fine it's fine because. When they're asleep at night, in the dead of night, they'll hear a rumbling at the bottom of their stairs, tip-tap up to the stairs, their door creaks open, and there will be Gritty with a chainsaw, <laughs> ready to <laughs> them 
and bring justice to this cruel, cruel world. All hail our glorious Revenger Gritty. <laughs> the only good thing to come out of the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> if he became a vigilante, that would be quite on brand. Fuck it. Like. I'll tell you what. If the Eagles change their name and mascot and become the Philadelphia Gritties, I will start supporting the fucking... I will start supporting them. <laughs> I will support the Philadelphia Gritties. They have to fucking... Fucking do it for their alternates. Oh, fuck me. Come on. <laughs> I'm a genius. I'm a fucking... Get me, get me on the phone tonight right now. I'm a fucking marketing genius. This is... Yeah, just Colin Kaepernick and Gritty with your new adjunct. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think it's probably time for us to stop the podcast because we've clearly both gone insane. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Uh, please send in your questions. Next week, Connor will be back, uh, and I, I won't be here, actually. So they probably will get read out because somebody will actually be organized enough to be like, oh, yeah, we should probably see if we've got any questions. Uh, so hit us up, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Uh, so send, next week uh, it's just going to be like... Appear at Ronan's house, knock on his door. You know, the usual. Next week, 50 minutes of Seahawks, Chiefs, 10 minutes of other teams. Yeah, I'm really the moderating influence here because I'm actually, like, my team are just boringly good. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, thanks very much for listening, guys, and we'll chat to you next week. Bye.